this is Glover Teixeira, UFC light heavyweight champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Muñoz. Mike Brown. Hi, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to break down the entire UFC 274 fight card. I'm going to give you my picks, and I'm going to give you my bets. And if you want 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners and make a deposit. I send you 50 bucks. It is literally that simple as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. I send you 50 bucks, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. And this is brought to you by Earn You. Earn You is the world's first sports and esports prediction game, allowing you to earn crypto risk free. Check them out now at earnyou.io. And UFC 274 is an interesting fight card. It's not the greatest card of all time, but there's some really fun fights, both on the undercard. And the main card, a couple weak fights on the main card, but the top three fights are honestly spectacular, and I'm really looking forward to them. And opening up the card, we have Journey Newsom, and he's taking on Fernie Garcia. Journey Newsom is a come-forward striker with incredible power, but what's interesting is he's actually a grappler. He doesn't use it in his fights, though. He discovered his power, he fell in love with that, and now he chases knockouts. When he does wrestle, he has decent takedowns, but even if his entries aren't great, he sticks with them, and he's constantly pressuring forward until he gets it. When he hits the ground, he has slick transitions, but he can struggle with control. Fernie Garcia is a pretty well-rounded guy. He has pretty good wrestling background, but when he fights, he's primarily a striker. His striking style is a forward-pressure counter-striker, but he's always taking steps forward. He does a good job moving out of the way of strikes and then firing back when you come at him. He has solid fight IQ, and if he's on the wrong side of exchanges, he will drop down and grapple. He's at Fortis MMA, and he was pretty clear that for this fight, he was working a lot of wrestling and a lot of grappling in that camp. Right now, Fernie Garcia is sitting at almost a 2-1 to favorite, and I have to imagine it's because of his KO in the Contender Series and his wrestling abilities when he actually uses them. But that KO in the Contender Series was an anomaly. He's not normally a KO guy. He'll sit in the pocket. He'll bang there if there's an opportunity but he doesn't have the same devastating power that Newsom does. It's an interesting matchup because I think Fernie's the better fighter, and I think he's more technical. He uses his wrestling better than Newsom does. But, you know, Newsom has the UFC experience, and he's dangerous both on the feet and on the ground. I'm giving a slight lean to Fernie here, but I am worried that the Contender Series knockout has him thinking that he can trade strike for strike with Newsom. Hopefully he sticks to a wrestling game plan and he gets it done the long way. Then we have one of my favorites. We have Lupita Godinez, and she's taking on Ariana Carnalozzi. Lupita Godinez is a very big, very strong wrestler with solid striking, real power, and clean boxing. She has great setups to both her wrestling and her striking. She's very big for the weight class, and she uses her size and strength really well to execute her game plan. She has two losses in the UFC, but the Jessica Panay loss was a bad decision. And the Luana Carolina loss was on short notice and at 
125 pounds, and basically she just couldn't bully Luana Carolina in that fight. Ariane Carnelosi is very aggressive, very strong, and willing to be in a firefight. She has very good takedown defense and very nice ground and pound if she ends up on top. And I say ends up on top because she's not really a wrestler. She did get several takedowns, actually five takedowns against Estela Nunes before submitting her. But historically, she's not a very good wrestler. She doesn't initiate the takedowns. But if she ends up on the ground, she's very, very solid on top. And it's an interesting matchup because I love Loopy. I picked her nine out of 10 times. I will pick her nine out of 10 times in her matchups. But her style is to be the bully. And Carnalozzi is very hard to push around. Loopy will have the better striking, but may struggle getting this to the ground. And this could look similar to Carnalozzi versus Na Liang, where Liang was able to take down Carnalozzi three times, but she was still KO'd in the second. And this is such a tough pick, but I have to go with Lupita Godinez here. Carnalozzi was losing the striking exchanges versus Nunez, but was able to make it happen with the wrestling. And she was losing the grappling exchanges with Liang, but was able to make it happen with the strikes. And before that, she just flat lost to Angela Hill. So I think Lupita Godinez is the better fighter, but she needs to be ready for plan B if she can't just bully her way into a win. We're going to find out very quickly how strong Ariana Carnalozzi is. And honestly, this is a fight where I may end up switching my pick after weigh-ins. Then we have Clayton Rodriguez taking on CJ Vergara. Clayton Rodriguez is a very well-rounded prospect with a lot of potential. He has a very versatile striking style where he mixes in kicks really well. He has power in his hands, but he throws a lot of those punches from his hips, so they're a bit telegraphed. His takedown defense can definitely do some work, but his takedown offense is pretty solid. He has nice trips from the clinch and almost has a Greco wrestling style takedown with how he uses those takedowns. When he's on top, he does a great job of establishing his positions and then striking from there. CJ Vergara is a powerful striker with solid forward pressure. He's coming back after a disappointing UFC debut against Oday Osborne. He's a very good striker with clean boxing and solid knees. He likes to fight inside the pocket where he can use his clinch work and showcase his power. Clayson Rodriguez is a big prospect who can fight anywhere. So I totally understand why the bookies like him. But I'm on the other side. I think CJ wins this fight. Clayson has big power punches, but they're looping and they're obvious. I think CJ can get inside of them and literally beat Clayson to the punch. The one thing that concerns me is that CJ is a beast in the clinch, which is obviously a good thing, but Clayson has his best takedowns from the clinch. So with that being said, I still think CJ wins the striking exchanges and can hopefully avoid the takedowns. He outstruck O'Day 122 to 89 in his UFC debut. And I think he can mirror some of the success he had in that fight. Then we have the return of Tracy Cortez, and she's taking on Melissa Gatto in a wrestler versus grappler style matchup here. Tracy Cortez is a fantastic wrestler, and she's making her comeback after about a year layoff. Historically, her striking is just okay, and the stats are deceiving. She's listed as having a positive striking differential, but you need to keep in mind that she also gets three takedowns per fight and spends the majority of her time on top. So when she's on top, she's landing and not getting hit. So the fact that she is still hit with almost three significant strikes per minute means that when she's in normal striking exchanges, she's not doing that well. But the reality is she is a wrestler and is always looking to get it to the ground. 
Melissa Gatto is coming off a dominant win over Sajara Eubanks, where she stopped her with a kick, which was surprising because she's primarily a grappler. Melissa has very good BJJ, but what's unique is she's actually most dangerous off of her back, right? Most slick BJJ people need to get the takedown, need to be on top, need to be in control. Melissa Gatto is her most dangerous off her back. She proved in her last fight that she isn't just a grappler. She has high volume and pretty clean striking. She using her strike, she uses her striking to set up takedowns and that works from there. And this is a really tough matchup to predict because Tracy Cortez is very good at one thing. And that one thing has won her pretty much every single one of her fights. Her striking is just okay. And her submission offense is almost non-existent. Gatto, on the other hand, has decent striking, great submissions, but zero wrestling defense. Cortez has almost been gone for a year. And it's always hard to know what someone's going to look like after a layoff like that. So we either have Cortez ride out her eighth decision win in 11 fights or Melissa Gatto continues her impressive stoppage streak. Has Tracy picked up more BJJ through osmosis from Brian Ortega? I don't know. But she's the pick because of the wrestling. My, my bet is actually going to be on Gatto. So my pick is Tracy Cortez. I think she gets the wrestling, avoids the submissions, and grinds out Melissa Gatto. But my bet when the line drops will be on Melissa Gatto to win inside the distance. Decision, no action. What that means is if Melissa Gatto is able to pull off a submission or she's able to stop Tracy Cortez, I'll get paid. I will get paid on that bet. But if she's just taken down, ridden out, loses a decision, I get a refund. The bet never happened. There is a safety net there. There's only one sports book that offers that bet. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online is the partner that offers that. Hop in there, make a deposit. I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. But I do love that bet. We on picks.com slash bets. Then we have a 43-year-old Francisco Trinaldo taking on Danny Roberts. Francisco Trinaldo, he's 43 years old, which is always a red flag, but he's not really showing signs of aging just yet. And he's coming off a solid win over Dwight Grant. This is his third fight at welterweight and not cutting all the way down the lightweight is probably why he can continue to fight at his age and why his chin continues to hold up. Style-wise, Francisco has solid wrestling and he is strong as hell. He's legit good everywhere. His striking isn't technical, but he has real power and you can see that in his knockout against Jai Herbert just last year at 42 years old. Danny Roberts made a successful comeback against Ramazan Amiv after a two-year layoff. Danny has solid boxing and footwork. He throws very hard and he has the power to KO anyone in the division. His takedown defense is not great and his takedown offense is even worse at only 11% accuracy. Striking will absolutely be Danny's path to victory. And I think I'm going to continue to ride the Trinaldo train. I faded him against Salikov because stylistically that was just a really bad matchup. But I like this matchup for him. Danny won't be a threat to initiate his own takedowns. And he's been taken down 17 times in 11 UFC fights. I like Trinaldo to stay in Robert's face and grind out a win. I have no reason to believe Trinaldo's chin is gone yet. But honestly, any day now, he is going to look 43 years old. And Robert... Roberts does have the power to make that day Saturday night at UFC 274. Then we have a couple of heavyweight bangers. We have Blagoy 
Ivanov taking on Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Blagoy Ivanov is a heavyweight striker with an iron chin and a willingness to trade. He took the best shots that Derek Lewis, Augusto Sakai, and Tai Tuivasa and Junior Dos Santos could possibly throw at him, and he never went down. He didn't win all those fights, so I'm not going to put it out there that he's the greatest heavyweight of all time, but he took their best shots and did not go down. He has a combat Sambo background, and he actually beat heavyweight great Fedor Emelianco. He's a talented guy with solid takedown defense, okay power in his hands, and a willingness to survive that very few have. If you don't know what combat Sambo is, it's almost, it's like a watered-down MMA wearing a gi. There's throws, there's some strikes, and there are some submissions on the ground. Marcos Rogerio de Lima is a powerful striker with a decent ground game and solid leg kicks. For a heavyweight, he has a ton of volume. He put up 166 strikes in his decision win against Maurice Green. He has decent wrestling offense at 66% and averages more than one takedown per fight. The issue for him is that if he gets taken down, he does not fight well off his back. He's coming off an incredible win over Ben Rothwell, where he looked fast, powerful, and light years ahead of Ben in the few exchanges they had before the knockout. And this is another interesting fight. Both guys are pretty talented and have paths to victory. Delima has great hands and incredible speed for a heavyweight. Ivanov has an insane chin and a combat Sambo background, which he can use for takedowns. Even though he's riding a two-fight skid, I do like Ivanov or Ivanov to get the win here. I think his chin will frustrate Delima, and if he gets a takedown, he's going to have a clear advantage on top. Six of Delima's seven losses are by submission, and not that Ivanov is an insane submission threat, but there's a clear path there, and he has six takedowns in his last three fights. So Ivanov's the pick, but Rogerio DeLima is absolutely going to test that chin. Then we move to Brandon Royval taking on Matt Schnell. Brandon Royval is one of the most exciting guys to watch in the UFC. He's always looking for a finish, but he has enough cardio to set a relentless pace for 15 minutes. He's a dangerous guy in his feet with diverse striking and great speed. He's also a solid grappler with tricky submissions and a willingness to chase them. He throws crazy, brings a ton of pressure, and he just keeps coming forward. Brandon Royval is a problem for a lot of people, but he's absolutely kill or be killed with all but one of his UFC fights ending in a finish. Matt Schnell's a very good counter-striker with solid BJJ. I absolutely loved picking him against Alex Perez in that fight that I broke down six times and never actually happened. He does an amazing job backing up a few steps, getting you to follow him, and as soon as you come forward, he plants his feet and he fires back with combinations. He loves doing this off leg kicks as well. He'll end an exchange with a leg kick, back up, and that cycle just continues to repeat himself. He's BJJ is slick, and he snatches things up and scrambles as well. This should be a really fun fight. We've got two guys just absolutely willing to bang. Brandon Royval is an offensive machine who loves coming forward. Matt Schnell has phenomenal striking defense and loves to bait people. Neither guy is really looking to initiate takedowns, but Royval is just the better pure grappler. Both guys only have two takedowns each in their UFC careers, but I do think Royval's forward pressure and sneaky grappling will be the difference here. So Royval is the pick. And this definitely has potential to be fight of the night. Then we have Macy Chasson taking on Norma Dumont. Macy Chasson is tall and long, and she uses that length really well to jab you up 
and work her Muay Thai striking. She has a positive striking differential and a little better than four to three. And she's got okay power mix in there as well. If you get past her length, you can have success staying in her face. But when she can keep distance, she is very good and technical. She's coming off the submission loss to Raquel Pennington, where she was actually the one who initiated the grappling exchanges. You would have think, thought Raquel was the one, but no, Macy Chasson was the one that was sort of pushing that grappling game plan. Norma Dumont is a very good striker who is relaxed and patient in the cage. Her striking is very technical, and she has a 100% takedown defense. If you look at her strike differential, she lands about four significant strikes per minute and takes two in return. On top of her technical striking, Norma also has solid grappling. Her takedowns aren't great, but she does have takedowns in every single one of her UFC fights, including two against Ashley Evans-Smith. Her grappling is more defensive than offensive, but she has solid top pressure and control. I love Norma in this fight. I liked her to beat Aspen Ladd. I like her again here. I think she has no problem crowding Macy and lighting her up inside the pocket. I think she'll work takedowns against the cage, but this is most likely a striking match. The only thing that worries me is Macy's range and her ability to circle out. Right now, the odds have Norma as almost a three-to-one favorite, and I definitely think those odds are wide. Macy is more than capable on her feet, and she's long enough to be a threat on the ground. Norma's the pick, but I think she should be like a minus 130 favorite, nowhere near the minus 270 that some books have her at. So we'll see what happens to that line later in the week. Then we have Randy Brown taking on Chaos Williams. Randy Brown is a very good striker who uses his range really well. He's stupid tall for this weight class, and he takes advantage of that. He uses long jags and long jabs and kicks to keep you at bay. And then when he's ready, He'll use his speed to initiate solid boxing exchanges. He has nice trip and Uchimata takedowns with solid jiu-jitsu on the mat. He's very good and a lot of fun to watch. If you don't know what an Uchimata takedown is, it's basically a wizard overhook, and then you send your leg across the body, pull him over, trip, throw your hips in there. So it's a trip slash throw, and you get it off a wizard quite a bit or cage control. Chaos Williams is always fun to watch and never in a boring fight. He walks people down and has a ton of power, solid low kicks as well. He uses those low kicks to take out his opponent's legs and then slows them down so he can come up top looking for a KO. He has power, he's durable, and he's always live for a knockout. He's coming off that come-from-behind knockout over Miguel Baeza where he was able to showcase his durability on his feet and his composure on the mat. This card is loaded with fun fights, and this is another one. We have two strikers who are not afraid to mix it up and have their own striking styles. Randy Brown likes to use his range to loosen you up before coming in with his power, and Chaos Williams likes to rough up your legs before he headhunts. As of right now, Chaos Williams is sitting as the slight favorite, and I imagine it is because of his power because I actually think Randy's the more technical striker, and I think Randy has better grappling as well. I just don't know if he'll be have the opportunity to use it because two of three Randy's UFC losses were by knockout, and I do think Chaos has the takedown defense to keep it standing and the raw power to end it. We saw in his last fight that he can carry that power late into the fight, so Chaos is the pick here because of how dangerous he is, but I think Randy is actually the better fighter. I think he's a little more sound everywhere, but... So was Chaos Williams' last opponent, and how did that end up for him? 
Then opening up the main card, we have a pretty bizarre fight. We have basically something that Bellator would put together, right? We have two aged out UFC guys that the fans enjoy watching, but the fight is meaningless to the division. Donald Cerrone is a legend. He's a fun striker with incredible kicks and sneaky power. He's taking on Joe Lozon here. Donald Cerrone versus Joe Lozon in 2022. This fight should have happened in 2008. But hey, let's break it down. Donald Cerrone's a slow starter, but once he gets hit, and once he hits his rhythm, he starts to flow really well, and he puts together incredible combinations. But he isn't just a striker. He has very slick submissions where he uses scrambles and his length really well to grab arm bars and even throw up triangles from bottom. He has 40 seven fights under the UFC WEC umbrella and has literally fought everybody there was to fight at 155 pounds and a whole bunch at 170 as well. He has wins over current champion Charles Oliveira, everybody's favorite coach that they want to obsess over, James Krause, Edson Barboza, former champion Eddie Alvarez, former champion Benson Henderson, and so many more. Donald Cerrone has literally beaten everybody in multiple divisions. Joe Lozon is making his UFC return after more than two years away. And if you're not familiar with Joe, I get it. He's been very inactive, but Joe's an OG. He's been in the UFC since 2006. He came off the Ultimate Fighter season five. He's a grappler with incredible heart and insane fight IQ. He's definitely a throwback to the days of 2006 where you could be really tough and very good at one thing and still do well. And that's exactly what Joe is. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have a ton of power, but he's very intelligent. He has really good grappling skills, and he's just got the really solid fight IQ to put all that together. He thinks through his exchanges and his game plans really well. He's an excellent coach running a gym in Massachusetts, and I have to imagine that this is his retirement fight. And listen, this fight means nothing to the division, but it really is a ton of fun. And I appreciate that both of these guys get to fight somebody at the same point in their career, right? The UFC isn't just throwing them to young killers hoping to build up names. Both Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon are top three on the UFC's all-time performance of the night bonus list. And I expect more of the same. I think Donald Cerrone dominates this fight, but Joe Lozon is tough as hell. He never quits, and he's smart enough to have a plan the odds have tightened, though. Donald Cerrone opened as a minus 300 favorite, and now he's sitting at minus 170. So I guess people just don't trust him to get it done since he is on a six-fight unbeaten streak. No, not. He hasn't won in six fights. Right? There's a draw in there. Five losses, one draw in his last six fights. But I'm on board. I like Donald Cerrone to win this fight. I love Joe Lozon. I just don't think he's dangerous enough. He's not going to submit Donald Cerrone. He's not going to take down Donald Cerrone. He's not going to knock out Donald Cerrone. So Donald Cerrone is absolutely the pick, and I'm rooting for him. That guy has laid it all on the line multiple times for the UFC. So let's see him get a few more wins before he rides off in the sunset. And then we have two light heavyweights. Another fight. A couple of older guys going at it. Zero implications to the division. But, hey, it should be a fun fight. We've got Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on Ovince St. Prue. Ovince St. Prue has been bouncing between heavyweight and light heavyweight the last few years, but I'm glad he's at light heavyweight here. He's a talented guy, but he cannot hang with those big boys. He's a great striker who hits hard, but he also is hot and cold, and he just doesn't turn it on when he needs to. It actually gets really frustrating to watch because he has losses like the one to Ben Rothwell where 
those could have absolutely been wins if he just had a little more output, a little more gas, and threw a few more punches. He has takedowns when he needs them and submissions to make him dangerous on top. I actually think he has the UFC record for Von Flu chokes because he has three of them, and that's not a very common submission. Shogun Hua is an OG shootbox guy and a pride legend. Nothing I say here will do justice to this man's career. He has one of the most amazing highlight reels, and you will never, ever see anybody as violent as he is. He is one of the most violent guys to ever fight professionally. When he was younger, he was an explosive striker with devastating knees and awesome clinch work. Now he's a bit slower, but he's still violent and he still hits pretty hard. He has solid takedowns and a BJJ black belt, but it is more there for defending because when he gets on top, when he gets takedowns, he's looking for a TKO. And this is a great matchup for both guys. Shogun will have a grappling and volume advantage over St. Prue, but St. Prue will likely have a power and speed advantage over Shogun. I think both of these guys can win this fight, and I wouldn't be surprised if these two guys went to war. I know they're both aging out, and they tend to get stopped in their losses, but this is finally a matchup against somebody their same age at the same point in their careers. I really don't know what to do here. My gut is saying Shogun, but I think I'm just ignoring how slow he has gotten, and my brain is just telling me that Ovens has lost too many fights that he should have won, and this is just going to be another one. I think Shogun is the better fighter, but St. Prue, he's just more athletic at this point in their career. And I just think Shogun needs to take St. Prue down the win. And St. Prue's athleticism paired with his 66% takedown defense is going to make that really tough. So it goes against it goes against my childhood watching fights, but I, I got to go with Ovin St. Prue here, but I'm not, no, no bet. I am not making a bet here. Just there's no bet that makes sense. It's such a tricky fight. I'm just going to enjoy it and hope these guys get to really go at it and have some fun. Then we have the featured fight of the evening. We have Michael Chandler taking on Tony Ferguson. Michael Chandler is a very good wrestler who likes to strike. He has a ton of power and solid pressure. He has no real kicks, but he is a threat to wrestle. If we look at his short UFC career, he knocked out Dan Hooker very quickly. Then he won the first round against Charles Oliveira, but he was finished in the second. And now he's coming off an absolute all-time war with Justin Gagey, where he seems to have gotten his chin back, right? Michael Chandler was a little chinny, and all of a sudden he got in that war with Justin Gagey, and his chin's looking pretty good. Tony Ferguson's coming back after about a year layoff, and he's bringing a three-fight losing streak with him. He looked like an unstoppable force when he was riding a 12-fight win streak loaded with submissions and TKOs. Style-wise, he's an active striker with a wide array of striking techniques. He doesn't have a ton of power, but he breaks people with his constant pressure. He landed 104 strikes against Donald Cerrone and 115 against Anthony Pettis in fights that did not even see the third round. Think about how many strikes that is to land in two rounds. That's just absolutely incredible and just speaks to his volume. Tony's biggest issue, though, is his head. If he's confident and he believes he will win and he's on board, then he's going to go out there and he's going to put on a show. But I think Justin Gagey took something away from him, and I just don't think he's ever going to be the same after that loss. The Tony Ferguson supporters are going to talk about how tough he is, how crazy he is, how he can turn any fight into a war and how he breaks people. But that's also who Michael Chandler is. Michael Chandler fights that exact same way. Go watch his trilogy with Eddie Alvarez. 
It might be one of the best trilogies in MMA. And I think every single thing that Tony does well, Michael Chandler does it better. And I know Tony can be a savage in there with a willingness to die, but so can Chandler. Chandler's the pick. I absolutely love that they put this fight together. And I'm expecting it to be a war very similar to Michael Chandler's last fight. And actually similar to both of their fights against Justin Gagey. They're just going to be in there swinging away, trying to make something happen. But I think Michael Chandler is the better fighter everywhere. So he is the pick. And that takes us to the first of two title fights on the card. We have Rose Namajunas taking on Carla Esparza. And this is a rematch from 2014 when Carla was the champion. She took Rose down five times in that fight and then submitted her in the third round. Rose Namajunas is in the middle of her second run as UFC champion. She lost her belt the first time when she was dumped on her head by Andrade. And then she won the title back with a spectacular knockout over Wei Li in April 2021. Rose is a very good fighter, absolutely everywhere, and is definitely the more well-rounded fighter in this matchup. She has excellent striking, very good wrestling, and solid BJJ. Rose has great footwork and deceiving power. She has wins over Angela Hill, Tisha Torres, Joanna Jurjacek, Jessica Andrade, and she beat Wei Li twice. As much as I find myself wanting to pick against her, I just cannot argue against her accomplishments. Carla Esparza is a very good wrestler that has 42 takedowns in 13 fights. That is an insane statistic. 13 fights, 42 takedowns. And there are zero questions about what her game plan is going into a fight. She's short and she likes to shoot those doubles under jabs and under other people's strikes. Her striking isn't great, but she does use it well to close the distance and get to grappling range. Carla is, has okay top pressure, but not as good as you would like her to have. And that's why she has so many fights with more than four takedowns. If her top pressure was so good, people wouldn't be getting back up and she wouldn't be taking people down five times in two rounds. And I think the entire fight comes down to takedowns because I don't think Carla can hang in a pure striking match. And Rose does get taken down. Whaley took her down five times in their last fight. And I honestly think that Whaley won that fight. If Carla can get inside and keep a wrestling pace for 25 minutes, this is absolutely her fight. But it's just such a tough pick, and it's taking everything in me to not just immediately pick Carla. Rose was taken down five times in her fight against Wei Li, and the, and the judge still gave it to her. She was taken down five times and still won that fight when the strikes were even. I think Wei Li, who's not as good of a wrestler as Carla had success with the wrestling because her hands are so good. And that is why I'm going with Rose Namajunas. You want to look at the five takedowns and immediately pick Carla? I totally understand that. Carla's a better wrestler than Wei Li is, but Wei Li had success with those wrestling takedowns because her hands are good and she's a threat on her feet. So Rose had to worry about two things, where in this fight, she really only has to worry about the wrestling. Rose is the pick. I'm going to be rooting for Carla. I want Carla to win. But if five takedowns and 162 strikes landed didn't get Wei Lee the nod, I just don't know what Carla's going to be able to do to get it. So Rose is the pick. It goes against almost everything I believe in to pick against a dominant wrestler in a rematch that she already won. But Rose continues to surprise people. And then we have the main event of the evening, an awesome 
lightweight title fight. We have Charles Oliveira defending his title against Justin Gagey. Charles Oliveira may be the most well-rounded and talented guy in the UFC. He has incredible kickboxing skills and laser pinpoint accuracy. His kicks are deadly, and he just throws to your legs. He throws to your body. He'll throw to your head. It's absolutely insane what this guy does with his striking. He has power, but it's mostly from speed and timing and just not real power from his hips. He averages over two takedowns per 15 minutes, but he is only successful 41% of the time. What really separates Oliveira from the rest of the division is his ability to snap up a submission. His ability to snap up a submission in any scramble. He has the most amount of submission wins in the UFC, and his ability to snatch something up in a transition means that his opponents have to be 100% aware of their surroundings at all times. Justin Gagey is a wrestler who does not use his wrestling. In fact, he has zero takedowns in the UFC despite having a college wrestling background. He has power, but he's more of a volume guy who relies on his own chin. He marches forward, throws heavy, and he will just stay in your face. He loves ugly fights, and he thrives in that chaos. He struggles against guys who can keep it technical. Poirier, for example, was able to have nice, clean, technical striking, and he just stayed ahead of Justin Gagey the entire time. Justin almost needs a war to win these fights. And over the last few years, the lightweight division became a ton of fun. I actually think Khabib retired too early, but when we get matchups like this, I'm almost glad that he did. I think this entire fight comes down to Justin's chin. If his chin continues to do what it does, I think Justin can have a lot of success literally just marching forward and out-voluming Oliveira. I think Justin is one of the worst style matchups for Oliveira because Charles has pinpoint accuracy and gets TKOs, but, you know, and he has obviously the nasty submissions, but Justin won't go to the ground with Charles. So the submissions are off the table. And Justin doesn't care if you hit him. He just continues to come forward. Michael Chandler dropped Oliveira in their fight, and I think Justin can do the same. We have technique versus volume here, and I'm on the side of volume. I am fully aware of how talented Charles Oliveira is, but Justin is an animal, and without the wrestling to take Justin out of his rhythm, I think he just, meaning Charles Oliveira doesn't have the wrestling to take Justin out of his rhythm, I think Justin just terminators his way forward, absorbing whatever nonsense comes his direction, and I think he just wears down Charles Oliveira. And I could be wrong. I know I specifically said Justin has some trouble with tech technical strikers, and that's exactly what Charles Oliveira is. But, man, Justin Gagey is the Terminator as long as his chin holds up, and I'm going to pick him to continue to come forward, get in the wars, and, and give Charles Oliveira absolute hell. Justin Gagey is the pick. Thank you so much for watching. Like, subscribe, do all the things. And join our free Discord. It costs literally nothing. It's a free Discord. All of our content is free. And you know what else is free? 50 bucks from me to you. Just go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners. Make a deposit. And I send you $50.